Guess what, Lions? For as little as $5 a month, you can get access to exclusive bonus audio content and help this program grow by joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. To learn more, head over to lionsofliberty.com support. Welcome to Felony Friday, a presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, it is time for another edition of Felony Friday right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Of course, Felony Friday is the show where each and every single Friday I focus on exposing injustice in this nation's broken criminal justice system. Felony Friday is one of three shows that we have here on Lions of Liberty. The other two, one of them is every Monday hosted by Mark Clare, where Mark brings in leading minds in the liberty movement. He hosts roundtable discussions. Every Wednesday, we have our show hosted by Brian McWilliams. And that, of course, is Electric Liberty Land, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty and you can get all three of these shows delivered right to your little favorite listing device to your cell phone just by subscribing on itunes stitcher google play or whatever podcatcher you use to get your podcasts it is the only libertarian variety show and you can get all three shows in one feed so go do it subscribe this is the 98th episode of felony friday And that, of course, means that you can find the show notes with links and notes to everything that I'm going to discuss with my guest today at lionsofliberty.com slash FF98. We're going to have a bunch of stuff we're talking about because this will be a felony review episode. We're going to play Is It a Crime? So you want to make sure to take note of that URL so you can check out all those links on the website One more note before we get started, guys. I want to tell you all about Health Excellence Plus. This is an incredible free market alternative to your standard corporate health insurance. You can find out more about Health Excellence Plus at lionsofliberty.com slash health. My guest today on Felony Friday is your shining beacon of liberty here at Lions of Liberty, the host of Monday's flagship program, of course, Mark Clare, welcome back to Felony Friday. Thanks, John. And yes, I am ready to roar. Or do we not roar here? We what don't do we roar do? here. It's every How time I bring about? you back on Felony Friday, you do that every time, <laughs> and we don't roar here. There's no roaring. This is a roar-free zone. Well, we're all lions. It doesn't matter what day of the week it is, right? We're always That's roaring true. a little bit. I just get out of my rhythm. I start roaring, and I get thrown off. and I, I just like to sneak forget. my catchphrases into your show. Is that so wrong? Forget what the heck I'm talking about. Is that a crime? (laughs) Should I do time? Might be. That might be one of the things we're talking about later in the show. You'll find out. I'll be a surprise. But Mark, I wanted to bring you back on, well, for a couple different reasons. It's fun to have you on. I guess that's the main reason. Because it's the only time we talk is on podcasts. (laughs) That's true. Actually, that's not far from the truth. Oh, it's totally the truth. When you are friends with people that you record multiple podcasts with a week, that becomes the only time you guys catch up (laughs) as Pride members now. That's true. Yeah. We do have our uh, our email chain, of course, but that's uh, yeah, no uh, no voices there, just talking back and <laughs> forth. But anyway, so the one thing I definitely wanted to talk with you about today. Last week, I made a post in the Lions of Liberty forum, which of course you can join. 
by going on Facebook and punching Lions of Liberty Forum in the search bar at the top, and you'll get right in. And you could have seen this post if you were a member of the forum. But if you're new, you wouldn't have seen it, so I'll describe it to you. And what I did is I was talking about the Louis C.K., when it first came out, the New York Times article where it said that he had exposed himself, uh, I guess they termed it committed sexual misconduct, accused of sexual misconduct with five women. And admittedly, I probably read the article too quickly, skimmed it, and didn't pick up on everything. Because when I posted it, I said, well, of course I asked. Whenever I post anything like this, I said, is this a crime? Is it a crime to, uh, you know, for a guy to, to masturbate in front of women? Except I left out an important, very important caveat that I missed in the article, wherein every single time that he did this, he did ask permission first. Because I went back and, and read it after I had a couple people in the forum rightfully, rightfully, I think, flip out on me for not pointing that out. Flip out. Justified <laughs> flip outage. Well, I think... I th- People people got angry. People got angry with me, and uh, I, th- I think it was uh, it was justified anger. It was definitely justified. And it, I mean, I'm not going to go through everything the article talked about, but just to say briefly, I think all this happened between like 2002, 2005. The one accusation was like a a female comedy duo, and Louis invited them back to his hotel room, and then they sat down, and he said, "Do you mind if I, you know, jerk off in front of you?" And they started like laughing at him, and he. I can't off help but laugh him. only because it's just I just I can't get in the mind of someone who wants to do that, who thinks that that is a good uh, a good thing to do, or thinks that it it, it fi- gets some kind of excitement or joy out of doing that act in front of other people. Because to me, that's the most embarrassing thing I could have someone. <laughs> Someone watched me do. Um, this isn't really a discussion of the criminal aspect, but to me, it's just freaking weird as hell. <laughs> you just wanted to get that out there. That I had to get that out. Guy it's, it's, that I, I want everyone to know and ask to jerk off in front Correct. of him. Correct. So that's that's good to know. Neither D- despite, am I. That's, despite things I may say there. later in this podcast, I do not uh, approve of this myself in my own life. Anyway, indeed, indeed. So there, there was that episode and. An episode in 2003 where he invited uh, you know a woman after no invited a woman to one of his shows and then during a phone conversation um, she could like hear that he was masturbating on the phone and then there was another one on a TV pilot where he like was real awkward and went up next to this lady and like whispered in her ear and asked if he could like masturbate in front of her and then a fifth woman he was a writer for the Chris Rock show and he repeatedly asked her to watch him masturbate. And I think it said that she did go along with it, but later questioned why she went along with it. And I I think what happened here is there's, there has been what happened with me kind of misinterpreting this and we'll get through the the details of this, of when maybe this could be a crime and when, and and maybe Mark and I won't agree. I don't know, but we'll, we'll get into that, but I hope not. It's way more fun when we disagree. Yeah, that would be more fun. But I, I think one, I think where I got confused, where there's been such an onslaught of this type of behavior, there was the Jeremy Piven thing, and Jeremy Piven. I think the the accusation, all these are accusations. Louis did admit to it, but I think Jer- Jeremy Piven has denied it. So you know, it could just be an accusation. Who knows? But the woman accused him of basically cornering her, I believe, and I think stopping her from leaving physically and and uh, pleasuring himself on her then of course the Harvey Weinstein stu- stuff where 
He what is just... with all these guys wanting to do this? I just, I, I, I'm totally I baffled. I don't get it. I, I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. I, I get like being a, a Hollywood rich type guy, which I'm not, but I do live out here in LA. I get like when you're in a position of power and you're around beautiful women or maybe any women, if you're kind of a guy like Louis C.K., who if he if he wasn't well known and wasn't in a position of somewhat of power as a writer on some of these shows, a lot of women probably wouldn't even glance at the guy. So I understand like, you know, the urge to hit on women around you when you're in those positions. And that may be very inappropriate in the workplace, but you know, in and of itself flirting or something like that wouldn't be a crime. Um, I, and even, even this act, which we'll discuss whether it is or not, I just don't get it. I I continue to be baffled by these people. I think, I think what it might start with, and this is just a guess that, you know, maybe they, it happens one time and they find a girl that's like really into it. So they (laughs) think that like all women are into this and it's, like something that I don't know. It's I guess it's a turn on for them. So you I know I have, we need to do. No we need clue. to get. Uh, I need to get Dr. Jordan Peterson back on the show. That is also a cue for you to link to my interview with him in your show notes. Sorry, extra work for you, but uh, get him on the show to a- analyze this behavior. <laughs> why? Why do men in powerful positions uh, des- decide to that they want to masturbate in front of women? I don't know, but Jordan Peterson could probably make something so ridiculous, and he could he would have an intelligent reply to it. He'd probably break it down. It. There's probably a, a rational reason for it. Maybe, maybe I'll rational, maybe but. I'll reach out. I don't know if that that should be my opening line, <laughs> but we'll see. He does have a book coming out, so I do plan to actually reach out and try to get him back on. Yeah, well, you can maybe not dedicate the entire interview to it. But maybe maybe I'll, I'll I'll throw him a curveball at the end. One yeah. more thing, I gotta ask you. Maybe we'll put that in the bonus section for the for yeah. Pride members. Bonus. Jordan Peterson. Maybe I'll do an impression of Jordan Peterson, and we'll do a bonus for this show, uh, just dig, figuring out why men want to do this. Let's see. But uh, let's get to the issue here. So, do, I mean, do you? I guess, first of all, do you think the way that you know this has been described, Louis has been accused, he admitted to it, do you think in any of these instances that a crime occurred? Well, based strictly on... And I think we should clarify one thing, because I think this gets um, lost a lot of times with maybe newer listeners to the show and uh, with the is this a crime thing. Because we're not asking, and you've t- talked about this uh, you know, a couple times in the show before, but yeah. just to clarify again, we're not asking in our current legal system, is this a technical crime? There's a billion things in our current legal system that are technically a crime that would not be in the libertarian sense. We're really talking about the, the concept that, you know... You have a right to do just about anything in the world if you're not harming someone else or infringing on someone else's liberty. Uh, When you infringe on that liberty, that's a crime in the libertarian sense. If you're not, that's a right. And that's really what we're trying to break down when when we talk about stuff like this, not whether it's technically illegal. It might be technically illegal under some sort of, you know, workplace harassment code. Who who knows? There's so many laws. Uh, You and I can never be the experts to determine if he's actually broken a law. Uh, But as far as it, whether it pertains to whether this is a crime in the libertarian rights violating sense based on what i've seen and read i have to say no uh it's certainly weird as shit it's certainly extremely creepy it's certainly inappropriate for people that um you know for in a workplace environment or for people you're working with um but like you said he did ask every time i don't know if he necessarily got a yes for any of them but um you know the people didn't necessarily didn't leave and it doesn't sound like they were having their exits blocked i think more likely they were they didn't really they thought it was a joke at first i know the one women said they said they thought it was a joke at first 
first and they kind of laughed and then he started doing it. They're like, what is going on here? But they, they just kind of like stayed for it. And you know, it's weird. It's totally weird. I don't even blame them for coming out publicly. And I think it's probably appropriate that he faces uh, what <laughs> I hate, I hate to use the term. Uh, it's probably appropriate that he faces some kind of a social justice. might you say, and by that, I just mean, you know, there's a lot of acts that wouldn't be criminal in the libertarian sense, but even in the, uh, the free society, the magical mythical free society that we strive for here, you're still going to have uh, social consequences to actions, to actions that people find abhorrent. And uh, this is certainly one that many, for you know, rightful reasons, find abhorrent. And I think Louis is is facing social consequences. I mean, I know he just had a, a Netflix movie canceled, and, or maybe it was an Amazon movie. Uh, he had a couple gigs canceled, and, uh, and he's pretty much on hold everywhere right now. And uh, now he has to he has a pretty strong self promotional machine, so I'm th- sure he's going to be focusing on that at some point. Uh, for now, I imagine he'll just stay quiet for a while. But uh, Anybody that's listened to Louis C.K.'s comedy, and I, I frankly don't find him all that funny. I find him, I mean, he's all right, but you know, I've never been blown away by his comedy, to be honest. Just like the constant self-depreciation. I mean, that that can only take you so far. But um, you know, he talks about this stuff a lot in his comedy. He talks about daydreaming about you know hot women, all these things that happen with women that are around him. He has all these you know wild daydreams about that kind of stuff. He has daydreams about masturbating in, in, in random places. So uh, it sounds like that his comedy was pretty coming from a very honest place. Uh, but but to answer the question, I, I as far as I know. I Again, if there's physical intimidation or physical force or even verbal uh, intimidation, like saying you can't leave, um, you know, if, if any of that comes out, I would definitely alter my position. But as far as uh, right now with the information we have, I, I don't see a crime. I see a lot of uh, behavior that will likely have major consequences. It should have consequences, uh, you know, socially and uh, in his career. But uh, as far as legal consequences, absolutely not. I don't think he should anyway. I think I agree with you for the most part. At least the way this has been described, it doesn't sound like a crime has occurred. It, it seems like he did ask for consent first, and at the very least, the women did not, you know, they did not say no. And if they did say no, he he didn't he didn't do it. Now, if if he had asked for consent and they said no, then he still went on with it, and in some way, I'm not saying even I'm not even saying if, that he physically stopped them from leaving the room. If uh, if he just kind of you know, whipped it out and just started pleasuring himself right in front of woman without with her either saying no or without him asking for consent, when you get into that territory, you get into an area where I think it could be a uh, a sexual assault because obviously men and women are for the most part, very different uh, physically in nature. Uh, men, even when they're out of shape, are generally much larger than women. And Louis is very out of shape. But if you compare, <laughs> if you compare Louis, a, hey, he assuming, might have great cardio for all we know. We have no idea. <laughs> Louis, I'm assuming 250, 260 pounds compared to maybe a hundred pound or 120 pound woman. If he aggressively exposes himself to a, a smaller woman. It's not hard for me to imagine that a woman could be paralyzed by fear and maybe not even be able to to respond as as he's uh, doing this act in front of her. So I, I could see it being sexual assault. Now, the pushback I got in the forum. I mean, when you're going to say a sec- assault, though, when you're going to say assault, I really got to see some kind of physical act here to, to, to claim assault, you know, and if he's not touching them or or imposing upon them are you saying if he's like physically blocking their exit or if he's just sort of you know he is what he is and they in their minds think that they can't leave i mean it's it's very dicey territory here when yeah, we're, I mean, we're going to yeah, levy, levy a charge like assault 
it would be hard to prove any of that, I guess, in the <clears throat> in the court of law. Um, to me, guess, if he doesn't touch her, try to touch her, or you know, stop her from leaving in any way, I, it's really hard for me to you know call it assault in any way. I can call it creepy, and I can call it a lot of things, but assault's a toughie. It is, and I guess the comparison I brought up was, you know, if you show someone a knife or you show someone a gun, um, you're not actively, you know, performing some sort of battery against them. You're not directly injuring them, but you are giving a threat of violence. And the pushback I got in the forum was, of course, Louis C.K.'s penis is not a weapon, and it's 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 not but at the same time that situation could create that that same situation where there's there's fear involved because he is just a larger human being and he is more physically intimidating possibly than uh some of these women might might perceive it that way that they could be even if he's not forced them to be there they could perceive that they are being forced to be there does that make sense it makes sense. I just don't agree. <laughs> agree that it, it, it is assault or it, it could be a crime. Um, I, I mean, I, let's picture something ridiculous, if you don't mind. What if Louis C.K. Uh, went to these women and just started, just said, hey, do you mind if I do this thing in front of you? And just started rapidly stroking his arm, rapidly stroking his arm really quick, like like almost like he was masturbating. But it's his arm. It's not his, it's not his penis. All right. Do we think that's a crime in any way, shape or form? No, we'd think it was really weird. Um, no, no, well, the, I mean, p- part of what makes it a crime is, I mean, the perception or the idea that there, there is the potential for a sexual assault to happen because one part of the recipe for a sexual interaction is a male having an erection. And if a male has an erection, I mean, th- that could that comes across as a, he could be thinking of performing a sexual assault. I mean, when I'm stroking my arm, I could be I could be thinking of whacking you with that arm in a second. I mean, I, I'm being absurd in a, in a way, but and obviously in society we have learned, you know, we have as humans decided that a and not decided. I mean, this is part biology also, but um, penises are sort of off limits in public and should generally be at least uh, you know agreed upon to see them. I think by most parties. Uh, uh, whereas arms, we are all like, oh well, arms are fine because society has decided that that's not weird. But you know, other societies, even maybe like Amazonian tribes or something like that that hasn't developed the same norms. They walk around with their penises out all the time. And I bet a lot of them sometimes just masturbate when, you know, everybody's around. So a lot of this stuff is about societal norms and anything that's not a direct, you know, rights violation that could apply to every single society across the board. I think that would be more applicable to community rules, community standards, and that sort of thing. Cause yes, in our current society, we see whipping out a penis as a overtly sexual act. Um, that might not apply in every single community. It probably does apply in most communities. Uh, but not every single society that could possibly exist in the world. Um, so I, to me, it's it's a physical act on one on himself. Uh, it's one that is very strange, uh, very odd, and can certainly be understandably put people in very strange situations. But still, when we're talking crime, I, I got to see some violence here. You know, I, I don't want to see the violence, but yeah, you know I, I mean. The- <clears throat> This isn't something that this isn't something that I'm that I'm settled on. I'm, I'm trying to work my way through this because it's uh, yeah, I, I, it's so it's so different and weird and strange. Uh, I'm just trying to make sure I'm doing my own due diligence, taking the time to uh, to think this through. But it, and I mean, of course, there's going to be a bunch of libertarians out there that say, you know, I'm a I'm an idiot and a moron, and this is so straightforward and simple. 
And that's fine if, if, if you think that. But I would just encourage people in, in everything that we talk about, asking if something's a crime, if something a rights, if if something is a rights violation, to take the time and, and really think about it, um, examine your own thoughts on it, talk to someone else, like I'm talking to you right now on this podcast, and get other people's opinions on it. Um, because yeah, yeah I like a- ask a family member at a Thanksgiving dinner. Hey, uh, yes. hey, pops, what do you think about Louis C.K. masturbating in front of people? Would it be would it be weird if I masturbated right now at the dinner table? Would that be a crime? You should bring that up and get the conversation going. If you do bring that up, make sure you say that Mark Claire told you that and not not me. Uh, I, I just remembered that my dad listens to this podcast, so uh, <laughs> maybe oh, I won't. Well, we're having we're not spending Thanksgiving together, but. <laughs> Well, now he has something something very strange to think about during Thanksgiving. <laughs> let's move on and talk about something way more comfortable. Oh, Sorry, wait, Dad. hold on. It's not any more comfortable. It's also totally <laughs> weird and strange. So I, I want to talk about Roy Moore. And, of course, everyone knows about what's happening in Alabama right now with the accusations flying. And I'm not going to get specific about it because I've kind of just read the headlines myself. I haven't. Dug too deep into these cases. So Roy Moore, he is running for the seat vacated by Jeff Sessions. He's had several women who said that when they were teenagers, I think between the ages of 14 and 19 maybe, that Roy Moore, when he was the DA in the town at the time, and he was in his 30s, I think early 30s, was pursuing them. Now there's accusations of him just sort of flirting and hitting on girls and trying to kiss these girls. There's worse accusations that have come out recently of what sounded, what sounds like a, uh, a attempted rape. And that girl, I can't remember the age exactly. I think it was 16 and she worked at a restaurant and he came in a bunch and actually signed her year, <clears throat> signed her yearbook and the signature seems to match almost exactly his, his signature. A couple of different aspects here to look at this just ridiculous thing that's happening in Alabama. Number one, how the heck does a guy who has, even in his past, not even talking about these uh, the, the accused assaults, a guy who in his 30s was dating high school girls and hanging around high school girls, how has this not come out and he's become a, a judge in the state? Yeah, that's very strange because it's it, this is the same guy, uh, for those that don't know, that uh, he made kind of national headlines when he refused to remove uh, the Ten Commandments, I believe, from his courtroom or courthouse. And um, that was a whole big thing, I think, like, you know, eight or nine years ago. Um, so that's that's like what he was best known for, I think, before he uh, this current Senate run. So he was already <clears throat> a very polarizing figure uh, nationally and in Alabama. So you would think that maybe this stuff would come out prior to that or when he was becoming a judge or somewhere along the way. Um, and I don't think at the end of the day, I don't think me or you or most people are going to be able to determine if it's true or not. And that's what sucks about a lot of these accusations is that. Uh, you know whether or not we believe uh, a lot of these things are basically going to be based on, on our political bias, and you see it everywhere you look. Uh, you know online, uh, every Republican thinks it's definitely a setup and it has nothing to it, and every Democrat thinks that he's obviously guilty and you know should should be stepped down. Uh, but 
I don't know how obvious it is either way. Um, you know, and look, I haven't analyzed the evidence that's out there too much. Uh, I, I'll tell you that seeing Gloria Allred is always a red flag to me, but uh, there do see, seem to be some odd things with the yearbook. Like I saw something about, um, you know, the, the signature was in different, a different color than the initial and it looked all weird. Um, but whatever. The point, the point, I don't think we're going to learn much by trying to figure out if it's true or not. I think we'll be able to uh, make some more headway if we more focus on what should be and should not be, as we discussed, a crime in the libertarian sense when it comes to like if some of this stuff were true now obviously in some cases it's very clear cut if he's tried to rape someone clearly a crime uh, there's there's no real no real uh, waffling about that one um now when it comes to this some of this other stuff like hitting on a 16 year old when you're in your 30s um this be- becomes a very difficult subject because i i in no way want to come across as ever justifying or uh, apologizing for especially with my dad listening <laughs> or apologizing for uh, actual pedophiles or pedophilia. But I think it's an interesting subject because if you think about this, it's only really in the last 200 years that society has decided that it's like 18 or 17. That's when adulthood happens and sex with people shouldn't older than that should not happen with people younger than that. That's a very recent societal idea. Uh, Before that, you would often see older people with 14 and 15 year olds. And it wasn't necessarily weird. Um, I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying that is, that is how society has evolved. And maybe our society is evolving in a good direction. Maybe we're realizing that as heck and in our age, I, I know some 25 year olds that probably shouldn't, you know, be responsible for making their own decisions. I mean, I don't know how you totally judge, uh, what exact point in time we've kind of touched on this before for some other cases at what day, how can we pinpoint the day where there's a line, whether someone is the age of consent or not. And I don't think it's an easy subject at all and i don't even know how we can get to the bottom of it i mean on the surface you might think when someone is of of sexual age which would be right after puberty everyone's kind of the same biologically um most people would be horrified by that idea especially in our in our the way our society has developed to see 14 year olds as children. And that, and they probably should be because I don't know a 14 year old who's, you know, capable of, of making these, these kind of decisions, especially with a much older man, especially with a man in a position of power. Um, and, and I think this is difficult because clearly if the daughter, if, the, if this girl was six, say for example, and, and Roy Moore was in his thirties, everyone would all agree universally that that is rape. Uh, if the girl was 20, and Roy Moore was in his 30s, everybody would all agree across the board that it's not rape. It's completely consensual. They are adults. Maybe he's a little bit older, and that's kind of weird, but not really, and it's no big deal. There's just a middle ground, and this is a continuum where somewhere between 14, 15, 16, 17, nobody can, can tend to agree on where consent begins. I don't have the answer. I'm just uh, proposing some of the questions. I don't well, know. <laughs> one uh, Another interesting thing that... Uh, think about here and i'm looking up what's the name of the oh the french president emmanuel Macron, or macron oh, yeah. if you say it macron his, his wife was his teacher in school and she was like in her 30s and 40s and he's a, a teenager and they got married and that was not an issue at all in, in the and french he's the president of france he's the president of france <laughs> so there and, and people will say well there's a double standard like there's a, a problem with there being a double standard. And I don't necessarily think there is a problem with, with there being a double standard because it, it makes sense biologically, I think. Um, when you look at a you know 14-year-old girl and an older man, that 14-year-old girl has a, a lot more at stake, <clears throat> I think, in a uh, 
in a resection, in a sexual relationship. She could get pregnant. I mean, things that could, could really alter her life. Um, of course, uh, I'm not saying that these, it seems like every, every couple of days, there's another story that comes out with, with a teacher having sex with uh, one of her students. I'm not saying that's a good thing and should happen. I'm just saying, I understand why people look at the two things differently. And I don't necessarily think that that's a, a, a bad thing. Um, like you said, you know, I'm not sure what the what the right answer is. I think there's clear lines that that are drawn. That it's you know it's obviously not okay for a 30 year old man to be having you know, sex with someone but below the age of 10. That's that's just disgusting and, and horrible. But yeah, there, there there are some some gray areas and some areas where even when we look at cultures around the world in, in Europe and in France, it seems like they're more okay with some of this stuff and. I don't know if there's a universal right or wrong. Um, it's it's just kind of the way things have evolved over time. So yeah, I, mean, I think I think any any uh, issue related to consent of like um, preteen and teenage humans is difficult because the um, the ideas of, of of when consent begins are have changed throughout history and they change throughout geography throughout cultures. And there's clearly, there's not like a biological line we can necessarily point to when your brain is fully capable of making the right decision. Uh, you know, it's, it's very difficult subject. Um, now, if we assume it's true, it, I don't know, it, it would probably disqualify him from being a U.S. senator, but that's based on our society's interpretation. Um, and I, again, when I say it's true, obviously, again, if there's any rape, physical whatsoever um off the table clearly he's a he's a criminal and should be locked away and, and all of that stuff but mm-hmm. you know it gets dicey i mean it and is it a crime to i don't know talk to a 16 year old or 14 year old as an older man and enjoy their company if a guy because there's some cases where he just like met up with her but didn't do anything physical so i mean that's extremely creepy is it a crime I mean, I don't know. Um, maybe without per- parents' permission at a certain age, it probably should be. Um, otherwise, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it all, it all, I think at the end of the day, it really just depends on the individual circumstances and the specific facts. And uh, in this case, and, and, and many others, like the facts are only known to probably like two people, Roy Moore and the accuser in each case. I do, I will say, I get very suspicious when when accusations like the same thing with Trump, uh, you never heard anything about him doing anything to a woman until the pussy tape. And then suddenly there's all these people claiming assault. Um, and none of them really seemed credible to me. So uh. I think the difference here with this is of course, with the assault accusations, Roy Moore has come out and denied that, but see, he has not denied that he dated or hung out with high school girls, teenage girls in his thirties. Roy Moore has not. So yeah, he he, oh, he, he I did not know that. He has not denied that. I mean, he's okay. wow. kind That's, of talked I mean. talked around it. So I don't know. I mean, I think the guy probably is or was a creep and you would think that that in itself would have been enough for him not to get to this point in life to be a potential, you know, be a senator uh in the United States, but I guess in today's world, who the hell knows anymore. Um I mean, in the age of Trump, simply being anti-establishment is all, it can be enough to uh, to propel you. I think. Yeah. I mean, if if Chris Rock ran for senator, he'd probably win. 
because he's Chris Rock and because it's crazy and because he's clearly not part of the establishment. I think that's the same reason Roy Moore won. Uh, will this knock him off? It might because uh, people are seemingly turning on him. I think even Mitch McConnell basically said uh, he should step down. Uh, Sessions said he had no reason not to believe the accuser. So uh, it doesn't look like the establishment is backing him uh, in any way. So, uh, you know, I think maybe just Sean Hannity is, but that's about it. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't really know. Uh, yeah. it's, it's a very tough one, though. Even if we assume he just dated 14 and 15 year olds, is that a crime? I, I don't know. I really don't. It probably it probably should be probably. But I can't say with 100 percent certainty because in many countries it definitely wouldn't be. So if something is a universal idea, a universal right or crime, uh, that should have to be the same across the board. And that's definitely not the case when it comes to adult and uh, teenage relationships. That's changed, again, throughout time, throughout cultures, throughout, throughout um, you know, geography, throughout, throughout the world. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. It's boy, this is the waffliest edition ever. It's a, it's a tough, <laughs> no conclusion, zero conclusions reached. Well, I'm pretty confident on the Louis CK. Yeah, you are based on you our are. current information. You are. Well, let, let's move on to something totally different. Um, you posted this article, I think in the forum this past week, Mark, and the article is about a 12 year old who is suing Jeff Sessions over his marijuana policy, sort of a, uh, clickbait headline, but not entirely. So this 12-year-old from Colorado is suing the attorney attorney general or she's really suing over just their over the uh, prohibition of marijuana calling it unconstitutional. And this girl's name is Alex Bortel and she has found success, found great medical success by using a strain of cannabis called Haley's Hope which has helped her to keep her seizures at bay. She had terrible seizures. Her family used to live in Texas, I believe, and the doctors in Texas actually wanted to perform brain surgery to try to help to help her. Thankfully, the parents moved her to Colorado, and they found this medical solution that has really, really changed her life. So a great story from that aspect, really a great story all around with this lawsuit, too, to bring attention to it. So what, what, what are your thoughts on this, uh, this lawsuit, Mark? Uh, this little girl is my hero. She's great. Uh, I mean, to me, by far the worst aspect of the Trump administration is the appointment of Jeff Sessions and his uh, extremely anti-marijuana, anti-criminal justice reform mindset. He is truly, uh, I think, trapped in the mindset of, uh, you know, 1930s uh, drug prohibition propaganda. And uh, I think, um, you know, anything to, to knock him down a peg is a good thing. Now, I don't know how much he has really. He's he's talked a lot of talk on marijuana about how he's you know doesn't want it to be legal. I don't think he's going to make any forward progress, but it does seem maybe behind the scenes Trump has also kind of told him, you know, you know, don't actually do anything because he's he's indicated a hard line on marijuana. He has been outspoken against marijuana, uh, but he has not actually, as far as I know, changed any policies anywhere. So to me, I mean, maybe they're just maybe Trump lets. Sessions humor himself and, you know, talk whatever talk he wants on marijuana while he's actually saying don't change anything. But I still think you need to challenge this stuff. And we're certainly not moving forward like we should be. I mean, I think marijuana should be federal, um, federalized. <laughs> do not do not quote, misquote me on that, folks. Uh, should be legalized uh, across the board, as should really every single substance. But uh, we're not going to see that anytime soon. Um, but uh, it's an excellent challenge. Uh, I love that it's coming from a little girl. I love that it's coming from a little girl who is being treated with this. So 
it, I mean, it is, is a, a prime example of how people receive medical care uh, from marijuana and, and marijuana products. And obviously, I, I'm of the mindset that you shouldn't need to prove any kind of medical use to be legally allowed to take a substance. Uh, but however, I think it, it does, at least in, in our current society, where most people don't have that mindset, certainly bolsters the case, the practical case for uh, for legalizing it. So uh, I wish her the best. I don't know how far it's going to go uh, legal-wise, but uh, even if it just brings attention to the issue, all for it. Yeah, and one awesome aspect of, of her bringing the lawsuit being a medical case is marijuana is classified, of course, as a Schedule One drug, which means that there's absolutely... No medical use for it, which completely insane. This this case proves obviously there is a medical use for it. So I, yeah, it's it's fantastic what this little girl's doing, and yeah, hopefully we did a a small part today bringing some publicity towards it. I know many of you are facing major decisions with your healthcare right now, and I want to make sure that you know about an amazing alternative to your standard corporatized health insurance known as Health Excellence Plus. Health Excellence Plus is an incredible program that helps you keep medical costs under control by taking charge of your own healthcare and not leaving all the decisions about what doctors you see, and what procedures you need or don't need up to some corporate bureaucrat. Along with providing 24-7 access to medical professionals, tax-deferred health savings accounts, and preventative care, Health Excellence Plus empowers you to finally take control of your healthcare. To learn more, head on over to lionsofliberty.com slash health or call the special hotline for Lions of Liberty listeners at 855-290-4447. Be sure to mention Lions of Liberty. So we're going to move on now and play America's fastest growing game show, Is It a Crime and Should They Do Time? Is it a crime? Should they do time? Or do you think they learned their lesson from a hefty fine? Is it a crime? Should they do time? And since we have to ask the question, is the system down or out of line? All right, Catch so the first, the first is it a crime or should they do time? And I think I sent these to you, Mark, but maybe you didn't have time to read them. I sent them to you like a couple hours before we recorded. So if you read I them- I will let the audience them. decide how much they think I've read <laughs> by, the, by, by response. I did, I did uh, glance over them. I didn't read every sentence. These, these ones are also, I guess they could be. They are pretty controversial, all three of them, really. Um, depending. I guess depending how you look at it. Two of them for sure, very controversial. First one, we'll, we'll see what you say. So this is in- Ohio, 10 adults may face felony charges after bear baiting. You heard that right? Yes, bear baiting. So there's a a guy in Ohio that had a special permit that he was allowed to have a bear. And somehow Ohio authorities got wind that this guy was having, I guess they're called bear baiting fights, where this bear is in an enclosed area and they release dogs to attack the bear and this guy was charging $20, I think, uh, for admission. And they would let this these bears go after the dogs. And I don't know. I guess that was, that was fun for people to watch. Sounds pretty awful to me. So, Mark, bear baiting. Is it a crime? And should they do time? 
Ugh, everything involving animals is so difficult for me because I'm such an animal lover and such a dog lover, and I, I'm horrified by this. Uh, for the for the dogs and the bears, I mean, it, it's it's awful for the dogs. It's obviously dogs should not be uh, you know attacking bears or being put in a situation. Bears are much bigger and stronger, and this poor bear is kept in in cat- captivity, probably scared scared for its life, and then I'm sure it's not having a blast being attacked by dogs either. So to me, this stuff is is absolutely awful and wrenches at my gut. However, <laughs> there's got to be a however, right? Uh, I I really don't think that anything. Sadly, anything, not sadly, I mean, I just don't think it's the correct outlook on it. Anything involving animals really falls into the same aspect as human to human rights and crimes conversation. I just, I think that the animal stuff falls outside of that, that purview. Um, that doesn't mean, and, and I really think that it falls more into this, the city state model, the community model, whatever you want to call it, where private property owners in their communities set rules that are, that are mutually agreed on, uh, covenants, if you want to want to call them that. And, um, I, I would gotta think that in, in most reasonable, um, situations, most people are going to be horrified by this behavior and not allow it in their communities on their property. Property and that sort of thing. And I, I certainly, um, I, I have no hard feelings for the people that are shutting this operation down and, and saving the bear. Um, I think it's just like any conflicting, like any issue with animals, it's just, it's very conflicting, I think, uh, for a lot of libertarians. But at the end of the day, like, I, we cannot classify animals into the same categories as we cl- classify human to human interaction. I, I just don't think we can do that in the natural law sense. It just does not add up to me in that way. At the same time, it's awful and screw this guy. <laughs> These so, guys or whoever's on so this operation. Did you say if it was a crime or not? I'm not even sure. It's not, I'm going to say it's not a crime. I will not waffle on it. On it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I I, I got to agree with you here, and just I mean, just like you said, I mean, you you don't want something like this to be, you know, animal rights to be universally applied applied across the board because it wouldn't make any sense. I mean, I know for a fact that. Down in the south, I've never done this because we don't do it. I live in Pennsylvania. When we hunt deer, we don't do it this way. But down in the south, they will actually use dogs to go out and sort of, you know, make deer run, and then they'll shoot the deer. So why is that any different? You know, sending dogs in to attack a attack a bear for entertainment than it is to have them, you know, make some deer run towards you and put on a drive, I guess. And and actually kill animals. So I guess it's it's psychologically different. I guess for us because at least with the um, with the deer that's seen as a legitimate hunting method, and then they're going to shoot the deer and presumably eat the deer for its venison. Whereas this is clearly just true, uh, purely purely for entertainment. Uh, two breeds of animals being uh, really they're both being tortured in, in a way, and uh, you know it's purely for human joy or whatever. So I think that uh, psychologically is much more disturbing to us than just say doing something for hunting. Um, the question, but but like you're pointing out, that doesn't mean it should be legally different. That that doesn't mean we can, you know, if we start looking at this, it's really going to come down to what do we like more? What animals do we find cuter? <laughs> you know, what animals move us more emotionally? And, you know, if we start judging rights and crimes on that, you know, the the it's a slipperiest slope imaginable. Now, at some point, killing a bug is a crime. And that sounds ridiculous, but that's the logical conclusion of, of this kind of conversation when it comes to, you know, dealing with animal stuff. Bugs are good protein. That's the new uh, the new thing people are eating. I've never like, eaten. Have you ever eaten an insect like a, you know like a in real life like at a restaurant? Like that not that when I plan to. Like I've swallowed one by mistake. Oh yeah, in the grass, that. But, yeah. I haven't either, but I, I want to. I'm interested in doing so. Yeah, I mean that, that's a whole thing. Uh, I think the company's called Exo Protein, and it's supposed to be like some of the best protein for you. So I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I want to try it out too. 
But really, think about it. The people that will, the same people that will be, not the same people, I mean, I'm outraged by it, but a lot of the same people, well, I guess I am one of these people, will be outraged by this and then go out and eat a steak dinner from a cow that was, you know, kept in the shitty conditions probably, right. I mean, for, for years and years, and you know, they won't think twice about it. So it's really just a, it's, it comes down to really subjective, subjective thoughts about, you know, different species of animals and how they should be treated. Yeah, that's, <clears throat> that reminds me, at, at work this week, was talking to one of my coworkers, and he just got a gigantic buck this past week, uh, archery hunting. And he was showing uh, photos from the trail cam from past like two or three years of seeing this buck and, and tracking it and trying to find it. And then finally he got it uh, this past week. And this woman I work with goes, don't you feel bad you were watching that buck and watching it for years and now now it's dead. Now you killed it. And no, you just don't, you don't feel bad at all. You, it's a, it's a reward. You get to eat that animal, enjoy it. Um, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, exhilarating. It's, it, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's a, an interesting it's a conversation triumph. because a lot of these animals, if you think about it, may not exist if it weren't for the hunting, it's you true. know, if it, they, if it weren't for hunting in the first place, they might not, you know, be, you know, breeding animals in certain places. They, the hunt, the conditions might be different. A lot of times when there's hunting areas, they will like, you know, restrict uh, wolves in some areas so they don't kill the deer. So people can go kill the deer. So a lot of these animals, they would have been eaten by wolves or never been born in the first place. You know, it's really hard to see how things work out without the initial human interventions. I saw an article about you know, how um, meat, uh, this uh, like veggie meat, like fake meat that they're growing that's supposed to be tastes exactly like it's real meat from a cow um, is going to, you know, make the lives of cows so much better. And I'm just thinking like, no, it just means like some, most cows won't exist because <laughs> the only reason most of those cows exist are so they can become meat. So if the demand for the meat goes away, uh, yeah, you just, the cows will never live at all. So maybe, maybe some cows that could have uh, had a nice few years eating, you know, grazing on some grass and uh, enjoying the fresh air won't even be born. Yeah, but climate change, that's why. But climate you gotta, change. You got to do because of climate change. That's <laughs> but it reason. might get, you know, it might get hot. <laughs> All right. Next next one on the docket here. This one is from, uh, well, I guess sort of sort of from California. So this is uh, talking about the ongoing battle over people who expose others to HIV if or if they should not be charged with a felony. Of course, it's been the news couple of weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago, Governor of California Jerry Brown signing a bill that reduced the charges for somebody doing this from a felony to a misdemeanor. I think also there was a change there where there was not a punishment if somebody goes to donate blood and they're HIV positive. Previously, there, there would have been a punishment associated with that. Um, not anymore, which in that case doesn't really make sense because the blood's tested anyway. So I, I don't really understand the, the big deal there. The big deal to me with this is if someone does knowingly have HIV and they expose someone to it, is that a crime? But with the caveat, there's medical studies out there today that say if someone is being treated already, if they're being treated with antitroviral, I think that's how you say it, maybe not. Antiretroviral. Anti-retroviral? Anti-retroviral. There you go. Because HIV is a retrovirus, so you you want to be against the retrovirus. (laughs) If they're being treated with that, it's essentially impossible for them to spread the disease by exposing someone to it sexually. So there's debates going on in all kinds of states. A lot of states have changed their laws. Um, Some have reduced their laws. In, uh, in six states, individuals living with HIV who are found guilty of knowingly exposing a partner are required 
to be registered as a sex offender if they do that. Wow. So thoughts on I this? I think the key phrase there is knowingly exposing. But if you're saying that in in certain cases when they're on these antiretroviruses, they're, they're not capable of exposing, then in theory that wouldn't apply. Exactly. So that's all rolled into this loaded question. Should it be a crime for someone with HIV if they are on these drugs to expose someone to, uh, to HIV? Now, when I first saw the story, I thought this is ridiculous. Uh, clearly, if you know you have a deadly disease and you knowingly expose someone to it, that should be a crime because, I mean, that's, that's basically like pointing a gun at them it's, 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 and, and firing it. I mean, you, the bullet might not strike them in the brain and kill them right away, but it's a different kind of bullet that can enter their body and then result in their death. Um, but learning more about it here, uh, I, I guess if it's – I still think it would be the right thing to do to inform people just – for they, I mean, maybe, maybe just so they don't get too attached to you if you're going to wither away and die at some point. But I guess if you're on the antiretrovirus, they're saying, um, you know, you can't. If it's true that the it really does make it impossible, um, which I, I don't know how how confident is that is that idea is that concept that it definitely makes it impossible. Uh, but if that's true, um, I guess it's hard for me to. I guess that's like pulling the trigger on the gun when you know the safety's on. I mean, uh, you know, in a, in a weird way, uh, it still looks like lo- looks like an assault, but I guess it actually isn't. So uh, this is what I definitely go against my first. I think my first instinct uh, that you know, if they truly cannot be exposed, and that's a big if. Uh, if they truly cannot be exposed, I guess I can't call it a crime. No crime. But if they can, it is. Yeah, I guess, I guess. I mean, the question is how how solid I mean, is it? Hundred percent chance, research? or is it a ninety? I mean, yeah. Like, is it if it's what? Let's say it's a ninety nine point nine percent chance they won't be exposed. Does the point one percent make it enough to be a crime? I I don't know the answer. Uh, I, I guess yes. I mean, if there's if they're playing Russian roulette with a hundred bullets, uh, it's still Russian roulette. It's still a crime. So even if there's like any percentage chance, I, I think I would still call it a crime. If there's no chance, they just know that scientifically there's zero chance, then I guess it's not. So it really just comes down to the if. It's a tough one. I mean, I, I think it's just I, I can't believe the scientific research yet to, to that extent. I mean, I, I, I would have to read the studies and, and do all that. I haven't done that yet. Taking this- I mean, we all know AIDS is cured by a big pile of cash anyway, so – What's everybody up in arms about? Well, there was uh, I forget the guy's name who was on Joe Rogan a while ago, and he essentially was saying that the HIV virus really, if, if you're healthy, you can't get the HIV virus. You have to have a compromised immune system in order for it to, to thrive. All right, that's why they were saying that it would often, uh, you know, the people that were getting infected were, you know, drug users, not just because they could transmit it through sharing needles, but also because drug users have obviously have very compromised immune systems. Exactly. So, I've, I don't know. There, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of uh, maybe some, maybe some conspiracy stuff. Maybe we could have a conspiracy theory roundtable on the on uh, HIV virus one of these days. But, I'm down. Uh, <laughs> I'm down for any conspiracy. But anyway, so we'll we'll move on to the next one here. Another controversial animal rights one here. The last one for Is It a Crime? There was a law that it it has not been passed yet in Pennsylvania. I don't believe it has. I think it said it has not been passed. It's called Libre's Law, and it increases the penalties in animal neglect cases. What it would do, it would make pet owners felons if they mistreat or neglect dogs or, or other pets. And that includes if they leave them outside in the cold for too long. Um, the part of the law that defines that says a dog cannot be tethered for longer than 30 minutes in temperatures above 90 or below 30 degrees Fahrenheit. This is America. We're talking Fahrenheit, not Celsius. 
Um, there are exceptions to the law that make exceptions for hunting or, or things of that nature, having a dog outside tethered. person can face felony charges for intentionally torturing, neglecting, or abusing an animal to the point of severe death, severe injury, or death. Can't be severe death. Death is just death, really. Um, yeah, what is <laughs> death versus severe death? Uh, punishment can be up to seven years in prison or a $15,000 fine. So I think I know where you're going to ultimately end up falling on this mark, but is this a crime and and should these people do time? You do know because I'm going to channel my inner Roger Paxton and not waffle a bit and say it is not a crime, but it is fucking awful and terrible and makes me sick to my stomach to think about people leaving an animal out in the... I feel bad when I'm just like leave my house and leave my dogs home. I mean, I feel bad because I think they're bored. Like that That's how like in my head I get about animals uh, and my concern for their well-being and happiness. Uh, so it, it, it pains me to think that people, you know, would intentionally or unintentionally leave a dog out in the cold uh, to the point that it would die. Um, it's, it's really awful. But um, again, I, we can't put this stuff in the realm of, of humans and natural rights. It's, just, it's not where it belongs. Where it does belong is uh, private covenants, private agreements. And I really hope in, in a in a society that uh, that really has a lot of those, that most of them would would uh, have built in uh, fines, punishments, expulsions, whatever, physical removal of any scumbags that would do this kind of thing to a dog. But as far as the natural rights, libertarian sense, not a crime. When you had Shane Whistler on your show, I can't remember, it was so long ago, did he talk about, did he get specific on the city-state solution and talk about these covenants and contracts and, and community solutions to stuff like this? Uh, yeah, I mean, that that's mentioned in his book. I'm not sure. I mean, the first time I had him on was back in episode two, and then I had him on again in the 50s. I'm not sure how deep of a dive we did into that, but good transition because I'm actually having Shane on back uh, in a few weeks. I didn't even uh, know discuss. that. That's amazing. That's amazing. Wow, that's synergy right there. Um, Cause he's actually having an, a new edition of his book, reason and Liberty, a book I highly recommend uh, to people out there. It's a very, I wouldn't call it an e- easy read. It's a short book, but uh, it is pretty in depth uh, on philosophy and metaphysics and ethics. Uh, but it really is one of the most, you know, deepest philosophical dives into justifications for individual rights, for the ideas of Liberty. So I do highly recommend that. And maybe that's a uh, one area we'll dive into a little bit more when I have him on again in a few weeks. Fantastic. Well, I'll be looking forward to that one myself. Uh, that's going to be a wrap for the show. Pretty much. I want to do promote one thing though, myself, this is episode 98 Episode 100 is coming up, of course. That's what what comes two after 98. Ooh, so you have me back on for 100? I was the first guest. I feel like I should just come come do the do the bow tie here. No, do the, you, do the wrap up. You got 98. 98's pretty. Okay. It's a pretty great reward to have, to have 98. You should be very thankful yeah. for that. For for 100, it. I'm not going to say who I'm bringing on exactly, but I will say it's going to be three guests. That's right, three guests on Felony Friday, and oh, they're going to be bringing each of them. I think maybe very different perspectives to uh, problems, but hopefully we can find uh, some similar solutions and really talk through some of these criminal justice problems that are really uh, plaguing this nation all the way from our our prison problems to problems with police officers interacting with communities and stuff like that. I think it's going to be an awesome discussion. I haven't recorded it yet, but I'm planning on it being an hour long show. So we'll see how that turns out. And when I, are you going to, can we tease the tease? When are you going to announce it? Are you going to announce it next week? I'll, I'll announce it next week when I have okay. everything set in stone, hopefully, hopefully but next week. I, I know one way I bet people can find out a little early. Yeah. Go ahead. Plug away. 
if if they're members of the Lions of Liberty Pride, because <laughs> I actually announced the guest that I'm going to be having for my 325th episode, which I'm not going to mention right here. I will mention it maybe in a week or two, but uh, the Pride already knows about that, and the Pride will probably know about your guest pretty soon, too, because the Pride always gets the breaking news first. So check that out, lionsofliberty.com slash support. I can't help it, Odie. I start to shake if I don't do at least one plug. Per Spe- well, speaking of the Pride, two. I think we have an, a special deal coming up for them, right? A little Black Friday special for new We are going to have a Black Friday members? deal. Yes, we are. We're going to have a, uh, I think uh, we're going to start it like Wednesday to Friday of Thanksgiving week. Uh, anybody that si- joins the Pride within that time is going to get an extra poster, uh, which, you know, they, they cost like 15 to 20 bucks. So you're basically paying for like three months of, of extra Pride, uh, uh, Pride membership. Some really get great deals for Black Friday. Also for non-Pride members, uh, we'll have a big merchandise discount too, probably like a 20% off code that we'll put out there. So look out for that. We'll be posting about it uh, again on Facebook at, at facebook.com slash Lions of Liberty. Be sure to follow our page there or follow us on Twitter at Lions of Liberty. And of course, you can join the conversation by checking out the Lions of Liberty Forum, our private group on Facebook, where you'll get all those updates as well. And that's why I have you on. You talk about everything I need to. Did the whole conclusion. Fantastic. I'm the plug machine. I'm like the micro machine man. Yeah, if, if you guys haven't figured it out by now, we want you guys in the pride. I mean, we, I don't know if they've gotten that we, message. We are, we are dedicating <laughs> a lot of time to putting up bonus content. And it just for that bottom level, five dollars a month, you get all that bonus content. Um, it's really, yeah, we have some, really we have lately some we've been producing more bonus content than, I mean, more than the three shows per week. So you pretty much get almost another three shows per week, extra stuff, just by joining the pride. We're cranking them out. But yeah, I mean, we're not just doing this uh, for kicks. We're not pulling a dime out of that money. That's all going into a segregated business account that we're going to be using, hopefully pretty soon, uh, if we can reach some goals here in the next few weeks. Uh, hopefully, we're going to be doing an ad buy uh, one of these days, but in really a really big marketing push based around uh, you know some of the bigger episodes that we've got coming up. Again, we've got John's 100th episode that's going to be huge, and my 325th. Uh, also, Brian's Electric Liberty Land, his 50th 50th episode is coming up pretty soon. So it's a, it's a milestone month here, I yeah, think, coming nice. in. December. It's nice when they all happen at the I same thought we should brand it. I just came up with it. Milestone month of Lions Liberty. I like it. I like it. Fantastic. All right. Well, that's that's all I got. And I uh, just want to thank everybody for listening today. Thank you for coming back on Felony Friday, Mark. And this is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fires of Liberty burning. <laughs>